To me, magic is hope. It's joy. It's pure, pure passion. It's a feeling that we can create a better earth. It's the sparkle behind people's eyes. Magic is that secret ingredient to getting through those tougher days. And it's the thing that makes dreams actually seem possible. Welcome to an absolute passion project of mine, a collection of conversations telling the stories of people making magic real. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of Making Magic Real. Today's conversation is with Clay and we recorded this where he lives in Thirl, a very, very special feeling land with this incredible mountain kind of welcoming you over as you swim in the beach. I had a bit of traffic on the way in, making the three-hour drive there about four and a half, so I did arrive rather late. <laughs> I hadn't seen Clay since our meeting at the permaculture course we both did a little while ago. So it was so, so lovely to be welcomed into his life, get a tour around the garden where his project The Good Seeds was born, see all the seedlings, the new greenhouse he's put in, and to hear about his visions for life. After the garden tour, we got to have dinner and stay with his partner, M, and then we recorded the podcast. We did record the podcast rather late in the evening. Well, I say late, but it was only 9pm, but this does make it the first podcast to be recorded in the evening. <laughs> And then we rose early at 5.30 for a sunrise swim and coffee and then Clay started his day working on the van and I went for a barefoot walk up Sublime Point which was so, so magical. I I just wanted to share this I guess because I I truly love these little pockets of memories that each of this podcast conversation provides and I'm just so grateful to have these chats, especially at the beginning of someone's new journey. Just as Clay is beginning his, I can just see he's setting himself up for, he's already doing incredible things, but so many incredible things. So yeah, I really hope you enjoy today's episode and let's jump in. Welcome Clay to episode 14 of Making Magic Real. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. Yeah, thanks Julia. Yeah. This is my first podcast. Yeah. <laughs> pretty excited, pretty nervous. Yeah, I'm so excited to your first podcast. Yeah. So today we'll be chatting about something super magical which provides life on earth and magic and love and food and happiness and that is seeds mm. and your <laughs> seed project but yeah. I'd also just like love to have a bit of a deep dive into you as well so mm-hmm. and what everything you do so yeah if you'd like to start with just like sharing the current like roles in your life yeah so current roles in my life I just moved to Wollongong yeah. to follow dreams of studying sustainable design pretty main role in my life is focusing on studying mm. but yeah on the side of that I run the Good Seeds, which is a small organic nursery trying to connect people with local organic heirloom varieties, cool varieties of seeds that you can't find at Bunnings or at the landscape yard. Um, yeah, I work as a gardener and a landscaper. And then recently I started working fitting out vans. And yeah, I just work as a, as a tradesman as well, fitting windows <laughs> pretty randomly <laughs> and a bit of carpentry. Oh, yeah. And my other main role would be surfing. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> pretty takes a lot of time in my life. And it's so lucky to, like, I haven't been to this area before and it's just, like, so stunning. Like, if you want to do all of those things yeah. too, like, here is perfect. So many possibilities down here. It's amazing. Yeah. So, like, how do you get, like, such a busy, like, full life? Mm. But I love yeah. when, yeah, you just have, like, all these, like, parts going on. Yeah. How did that start for you? Like, were you always, as a child, just super into nature and super into creating or was it kind of like as you've gone through life there's been like a catalyst of change that's made you want to do all these things yeah i mean growing up 
very blessed to have beautiful family, mm. beautiful mum, beautiful sister that always encouraged me to be very creative. Mm. And I guess I found most of my creativity outside in the garden. My mum was always gardening, growing cherry tomatoes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, always had this like, background of being in a garden. Mm. But I didn't, it, it didn't really kick off gardening, so to say. It didn't really kick off for me until I was like 18 and I started working as a landscaper. Yeah. Just like commercial landscaping. Why did you want to go into that originally? Was it just because you... It just came... It was just an opportunity. I just got home yeah. from travelling cool. um, overseas in New Zealand. I was actually... In New Zealand, I was... Um, yeah, I saw like a lot of gardening and cool permaculture stuff happening. Cool. But without really knowing what permaculture was yet. Yeah. Just all these cool hippies just living off the land over there. Love that. Were you yeah. just like... Were you staying in farms or was it... Yeah, I st- we did stay at a couple of farms and helped yeah, with cool. some gardens and stuff. But yeah, when I got back from that... I just landed this job landscaping through a friend of a friend of a friend. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that was kind of the catalyst. I got really into it. And I was yeah. working for a really cool crew doing native gardens and cool. edible gardens. Um, and then, yeah, started watching heaps of YouTube videos on permaculture. And then, yeah, did my first permaculture course. And that kind of all kicked off from there. Yeah. Was yeah. it your first one? And then that's when I met you, the end of November 2020? Oh, man, what year was that? I think... Was that in 2020? Oh, I think so. No, when did I... Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Oh, wow. And that just, like, after that, you were just like, this is, like, what I need to be doing. Yeah, that changed my life completely. Yeah. Yeah, fully, just fully reshaped my whole life. It feels like it, like, turns the world upside down and you're, like, it yeah. just blows everything apart and you're just like, I can't see the world the same again. Yeah, yeah. It was mind-blowing. Like, yeah. But I really found a passion for design. I think I always had this little passion for designing things. Like, ever since a young age, I've always been designing without mm. realising it. Like, whenever I wanted to build something or, like, create something, I'd always design it first. Like and I remember as a young a kid. Yeah, and like... I'm not a good drawer by any means, but I always draw <laughs> it and show mum. And then yeah. I just loved, I actually loved to design. Mm. And that, that's the passion that I found in permaculture. Mm. Not just, you know, gardening, but just the designing and yeah, the systems system. um, framework and how to think about problems as solutions and yeah that's kind of led me to where I am today I love that too like the problem problems as solutions as well yeah like that whole concept what's something for you that there's a problem is now a yeah. solution oh man also just a spring I just kind of sprung that on you. um <laughs> if you can think of one yeah <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good one oh here's one um the last house I was living in yeah the lease was up we didn't want to leave. It was an epic house with an epic group of people. And that felt like a problem at the time because mm. it was in the middle of lockdown, middle of university semester, trying to find work. And all of a sudden we had to move. But the problem was the solution because it moved me to where I am now and where I was able to have the space and mm. to start and the energy to start the good seeds. And the garden, and like more. where you're living now, is incredible. It's amazing, yeah. Like it's just, I just got a little tour of it before and... I just wasn't expecting, like, I was not expecting it to be that magical. It's like such just, a pocket of magic, eh? Hey? Yeah, so like rainforesty and, like, a little creek down the back and mm. just everything so established. And, like, one of that, that big plant that, like, I have one in, like, as a room plant that's, like, barely the size of this microphone. Yeah. But, like, there it's just giant. Yeah, it frosts it, eh? I yeah. think that's, that's where they're native to is around here. Yeah. In the escarpment, so they love it. I feel like, yeah, that land, like, obviously it's, like, worked through and, like, birthed the good seed. But, yeah, do you want to chat about yep. the good seed, what it's about, and, yep. like, your why, like, why you've started it, why you're so passionate about it? Yeah, so the good seeds started and when I first moved to Wollongong. I was started doing my own gardening, little gigs, just just tiny little gardening jobs. And the hardest 
part I always found about the gardening was trying to find plants. And so I actually ended up walking down stormwater drains and into the oh bush God. and just taking cuttings and just propagating heaps of plants myself. Like heaps of, because heaps of common plants that people want in their gardens yeah. are on stormwater corridors. Really? Because the seed is getting washed down those stormwater corridors from people's houses. That's so crazy. Yeah, and I guess it was a bit cheeky. I was finding <laughs> all these plants that were in abundance and taking cuttings and then selling them yeah. um, for my gardening jobs for really cheap. If you kind of like you're getting like the um, you kind of getting like fo- it's like forager's fee. Like you yeah. kind of like like yeah. it's a bit cheeky, but then you're like, oh, I've gone out there and <laughs> yeah. done the hard yards and crawled into the drains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I'd never take anything that. Um, shouldn't be taken I guess yeah but yeah and yeah anyway I found I was I started realizing that I was getting more out of selling plants mm. for the jobs rather than doing the light the labor and the time for the yeah. job and I, yeah it all starts it started clicking for me that the the business is in in the plants it's mm. really not in like my labor yeah. as gardening and then yeah moved to this place and still had that thought in the back of my mind and I finally had the space to start up mm. like a decent scale of growing plants which I love to do as a hobby anyway yeah, and I can't remember the day that it happened, but yeah, I was gonna ask it just that. it just came one day. I was like, I'm gonna start selling plants, mm. and I was with my housemate Grant and my partner, and and yeah, I just told them I'm gonna start I'm gonna start selling plants. I'm gonna we need to come up with a name, mm. and then um, I think Grant, my housemate, he, we were just shooting off names, and he was really good. He had so many good ones. He was just shooting off, and I think I think Grant came up with it was the good seeds, yeah, kind of like the bad seeds, you know, the band the bad seeds, but the good seeds. Yeah, cool. Yeah, and it's just stuck. Because it's such a good name. Like, yeah, it's it. catchy, hey. It's yeah. catchy. Yeah. yeah. It's so, like, simple and, uh, yeah, I haven't heard anyone with that name. Yeah. Yeah, it's perfect, eh? Hey? Yeah, it's so cool. What was your first, like, do you remember when you set up as a good seeds too? Like, what were your first sales? Or, like, the first people that, yeah. like, what were the first plants that people, like, invested in? Beans. Beans. <laughs> yeah, people love beans. And, I, yeah, I was I had these really cool varieties of beans. Like, yeah, Royal Burgundy, Bush Bean, Purple Climbing Bean, Yellow cool. Kentucky, which is a pretty common bean, but it's a, a really cool bean. Mm. Also got um, my hands on some locally grown snake beans. Cool. I actually got off um, Marketplace, off someone that down in the Illawarra had grown and saved <gasps> a little seed, and then I just um, raised them and then sold them. But they're, like, you know, they're locally... Yeah. and evolving for this climate here that's so um, i'd only seen i've only seen it for the first time like literally like five days ago snake beans yeah oh they're so cool so cool they're an epic plant yeah. and they're really, they're really cool too they're, yeah they are they, like they're quite they slow going. they're quite slow growing i think compared to the other beans mm. but yeah i guess they conserve their energy and then they just go boom yeah yeah and the, yeah the beans are really good so yeah beans beans sold out really quick yeah when i started i um I did put a lot of effort into like kind of advertising a little bit, just like on all these um, community pages, just yeah. saying that the good seeds have started and we're going to be opening on this day. I had heaps of plants in preparation. And I was, when, I, when I opened it, I was really worried that a lot of the plants I'd grown weren't going to sell. I had heaps of zucchinis and heaps of beans and corn and a lot of annual plants. Mm. And I was really worried they weren't going to sell in time because the beans were starting to get a little bit big for little pots. Yeah. And then, yeah, just within like three days on the weekends... I just got phone call after phone call after phone call and I just sold out and I actually had to make a post saying, sorry, we've sold out. Oh my goodness. And yeah, the hard thing about selling out with seedlings is it's not like you can just restock the next day. You have to wait a couple of weeks to germinate. 
nature's time. Yeah. Yeah, fully. So, yeah. And That's then, so cool. Like, launched and then you're just yeah. selling out. Yeah, so first week it was, like, it was seller and it was, like, kind of like, oh, my God, this is actually, this is going to, this is taking off. This actually could work. Yeah. Because it was just a backyard idea. And, yeah, so it's just grown from there. Yeah. And I've kind of just been learning how to, how to manage it because mm. I straight away just planted, like, hundreds of seedlings, like, being like, oh, my God, so excited that I need to <laughs> get heaps of seeds in the ground. But, yeah, I just over time realize that's not the way to go about it and just yeah slowly do it when you say it's not the way to go about it so you initially were like yep just like pumped out these seedlings like now how do you think you're going to manage it so i guess when i when it started it's not that it hasn't been around that long when i say it started (laughs) it's like a couple months ago but um yeah i kind of love this i'm kind of like kind of having this chat at the beginning of like the beginning of this journey because then like in two years time yeah like the yeah, teach part two and you'll be like yeah i'm growing two hundred thousand seeds. yeah it could be yeah, it could be huge <laughs> yeah not in the backyard anymore yeah i mean when i started it was like really excited i was just planting heaps of seeds every day just like a couple hours just potting up and planting seeds and yeah. having fun with it and then i realized that yeah it's just it was a bit too much a bit too much time spent doing it and then mm. I, w- I would have heaps of stock all at once and then um, it wouldn't all sell. And then my garden loved that. But as a, as a business, so to say, it wasn't really the way to be going about it. Yeah. And so I've just slowly been kind of reimagining what I want the good seeds to be. Mm. And that is perennial gardens. I'm really passionate about perennial gardens. And what's if people haven't heard of perennial gardens before? What's that mean look like? Yeah. So, um, like, you know, say an annual garden, so to say, is predominantly made of plants that are annuals that last maybe one year or six months or a season um, whereas a perennial garden is you know full of trees and shrubs and biennials which are two to three year species and they just have a real structure about them it's, it's permanent you know so when you plant it for that reason it's got so many benefits it lasts a long time for one so yeah. you don't have to plant every season annual gardening is a lot of work you have to plant every season and then every season you're nutrient cycling with a perennial garden it, it's kind of there and it stays yeah and it just really holds the structure of the garden provides habitat so what would you be looking at for perennial seedlings? Like, what would you be growing in that batch? Well, I'm trying... It's all about what I can get my hands on, yeah. eh? I'm really... It's Yeah, I'm just trying to get a broad range of things and propagate and, and grow. But, yeah, just... I'm still trying to, um, you know... I, I'm not growing trees, so to say. I'm, yeah. The perennial species I'm growing are, are for, still for, like, garden beds and small home-scale gardening. That's what the Good Seeds is trying to do, is just make it accessible for home-scale gardening. So, yeah, just, like... You know, perennial spinaches rather than annual spinach and perennial coriander, which is cilantro, and just all the varieties of, you know, herbs that a lot of people haven't heard of, not just, mm. you know, common thyme, common oregano, but heaps of different varieties mm. that just taste way different, way better. Because there's so many different All the medicinal varieties. uses. Yeah, there's yeah. so many. But when you start looking at mint, you're like, oh, my God. Yeah. There's so many different types of mint. <laughs> I, like, I honestly didn't realise, and, like, so many different types of basil, and yeah. just, yeah, it's actually insane. You realise how limited, like, I get it for, like, uh, mass production for, like, food shops that they have to be limited, but then, you, like, mm. you really start to realise, like, wow, I've been missing out on, like, experiencing a whole realm of plants and veggies and yeah totally yeah yeah and just trying to make like uh, access to good food and diverse food easier for people in the area and like yeah you know basil like a lot of people assume you know basil is annual you grow it and then it dies and you have to plant it again but there's so many different types of perennial Mm. basil that you can plant you can just plant it once and then you have it forever in abundance yeah Yeah, and just showing people don't have to go to the shops and get in like a little two dollar bundle that's in plastic yeah yeah exactly like if you have it in your garden yeah yeah i think that's where the change is going to happen is in suburban 
settings too mm. for like people growing like just little bits that they need to start with and then they'll be like oh i can just grow like maybe some zucchinis and then yeah yeah everyone's growing a little bit of something yeah all you need is like yeah someone growing heaps of basil and then someone down the road growing something else, yeah that's it swap and start sharing. what would be a suggestion of like if you were to plant a couple of seedlings together yeah. what i would say like really nice combinations that yeah. really complement each other <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably a lot of things yeah Maybe no, like the just first one that comes to mind you can't go wrong with is called the three sisters and that is beans any legume beans is it um, so it doesn't matter which bean like you can no, any, bean. any bean i guess a climbing bean okay maybe cool. would be better and then corn so corn beans and squash but any member of the cucurbit family squash pumpkin oh, cool. zucchini wouldn't use cucumber because cucumber wants to climb but um yeah so it's like a set of three like a triangle and um, mm-hmm. the three sisters, it's called. And, you know, sister corn um, grows up nice and tall, yeah. grabs the sun and holds the chalice for sister bean to grow up. Ooh. And then sister bean you know, fixes nitrogen into the soil for corn because corn loves, it's a very heavy nitrogen feeder. And then sister cucurbit, sister squash, provides ground cover and protects the soil for the other two sisters. And they just work in such a oh. cool harmony. Yeah, I love that in, like, the story form too. <laughs> yeah. I just imagine them all, like, weaving and, like, looking after each other and... Yeah, it yeah. is it is really like that. They do. They have a really beautiful flow. Mm. And with, too, the ground cover ones. So I think I was just saying earlier, like, we planted squash and then, like, the cucumelon things. But I think mm. they mixed and combined. Yeah. So is it just when you're planting, like, you're planting one of those in the family, you just plant just that one? Is that the trick? Or how do you, how do you not get them to combine? Yeah, that's what they... Or you just let them... Yeah, I'm, my I gardening style is very much very wild. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I guess they would, you know, you if yeah. you wanted to keep, stay true to type, yeah. then you would need to just plant um, one species. Or you can, it's all about the um, pollination. So it's the bees or the insects that are pollinating your um, squash. Okay. And then if they go, you know, they go to the male flower of the squash and then they want to go to the female flower of the squash, but they go to the female flower of the, the pumpkin, that's yeah. when it's going to get cross-pollinated. So if you, um, you know, if you have heaps of corn in there and yeah. they grow quite big pumpkins and squash and they're mm. quite, you know, so they'll be a little bit far away from each other in a sense. They won't really cross pollinate, I guess. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, I didn't think it would happen because we've grown stuff before and it was just really bizarre because then we mm. had like, we had gourds that were yeah. half kind of cucumelon. Yeah. Like they were different colours and we we're like, what's happening here? Yeah, it's kind of cool. You can like, like cross pollinate yeah. until you find your own sick variety yeah. and then yeah, like maybe try and keep, keep that true to type. True. Yeah. But we should have kept the seeds and then yeah. Yeah. give them to you. Well, that's like evolution, <laughs> eh? Just continuous cross pollination and yeah. every season would be so different. It's pretty exciting like that. Mm. Is that what you hope to do like eventually too is like be like creating your own seed seed saving yeah yeah that would be that is the ultimate full circle close the loop yeah <laughs> situation for sure some of the seeds i sell have been saved by myself yeah. or saved by good friends and family so if you'd like to pick two to three seedlings mm-hmm. that grow well in this area i think it's a nice to chat about this area yeah, yeah um, totally so we we're in like near Wollongong. And if you just like, yeah, to pick two or three of your favourite seedlings and share a bit about them and like mm-hmm. why they'd be good to grow in this area, like why they're good for the garden, what type of food do they produce? Yeah. And that sort of thing. Yeah, so i just give a quick context on where we are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're in the Illawarra on Darawal country where well, I live in Thoreau, um, which is north, north Wollongong and a really beautiful place, really close to the ocean, really close to the escarpment, to the bush. Um, I've only been here for six months, so by no means 
can I say what grows really well, but yeah. from this really small season that I've had to experiment with, yeah, just watching things grow around all around while I'm going on the side of the street and whatnot. Mm. Yeah, first plant would be bananas, actually, mm. which is was really blew me away when I first moved down here because I moved from the subtropics from the Gold Coast. There's more bananas down here than there was really? in the subtropics, for sure. There's so many bananas growing everywhere. Like, I've never seen bananas grow wild like they do here. <laughs> why is that? Like, why are they doing yeah, that? Yeah, I, I still don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. Hey, yeah. it obviously it doesn't get cold enough for them to not want to grow, so yeah. it doesn't frost here. There's so many bananas down here. They'd love it. It's um, mm. But, yeah, the reason I would recommend bananas is because a teacher um, once told me bananas are so good they have bananas and in other words that means that we would plant banana trees yeah even if they didn't produce you know beautiful banana fruit that we eat yeah. why is that like what are they they like they're gorgeous to look at but like what are they yeah well do they grow really well they're really good at cycling water through mm-hmm. a system it, when you cut open a banana tree or a banana leaf it just drips water like wow. it like bleeds water would they be fire resistant like if you yeah, were to make a barrier totally up? that's a yeah that's a great yeah. aspect yeah very fire resistant holds a lot of water in a system yeah cycles that water pumps it up and down through its roots mm. um and then they grow so prolifically and they're a very tropical looking plant they have really big leaves and so you can keep cutting those leaves and keep creating biomass for your system mm. just continuous cool. biomass and things love bananas hey like worms love bananas yeah yeah, most of the time when I try and make my garden beds or my pathways, I usually try and use cut-up banana trees. Yep, cool. Yeah, cool. And you can weave with them too. And you can weave with them. We just did a yeah. weaving workshop actually. Um, wow, with bananas. The other week. Banana and they were, like They use a banana fibre. That's sick. Um, yeah. For the centre, like for the centre of the coily and stuff. Amazing plants. Wow. So many resources in one plant. Yeah. So yeah, before even looking at bananas for the fact you get heaps of bananas off a banana tree. Yeah is it's just so good for the garden, so good for the soil, so good yeah, for cool. the water. Next plant would be comfrey. Yeah, comfrey is a gardener's best friend, so they say it's really easy to grow. You just plant it and it just grows. No maintenance needed, no yeah. time needed. Crawls, it's a great ground cover, um, especially under trees. And as a border plant, it, it's, yeah. it's got, again, it's got huge leaves, which is why we like it. Those huge leaves, you know, they, they mother seedlings, like the vegetable seedlings that you want to plant mm. in your bed. If you put comfrey around it, those big big comfrey leaves they protect the seedling from the winds they protect it from the hot sun they protect it from the heavy rain mm. and then you know once the seedling gets up and grows above them you get the full sun yeah they're definitely not i've definitely observed they're not a, like a strangler plant in the sense of like they mm. grow like quite prolifically but like they don't yeah. like, overtake things yeah like, they, they seem they're to not be very, in, they're very gentle yeah they are like, hey they have a very yeah. soft nature they're very yeah. beautiful yeah. And their flowers kind of look like little fairy bells. Yeah, like they, they are just, beautiful when they flower. But hard to, I've like hard to get their seeds. Yeah, I can't say I've ever tried. Oh, they, it must be such a short time frame. Yeah, the flowering season on them is really short. Hey. Yeah. yeah. And then they just drop off or they disappear, and you're like, oh, where did you? Yeah, like, true. Yeah, 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 but then I guess maybe that's why they self-seed so well, just dropping into the ground. Yeah, true. Yeah. Yeah, yeah comfrey cool. is Com- great for biomass again. You know, you make comfrey tea and. You just mm. cut up comfrey leaves and just lay it around your garden. Yeah. And that's because comfrey is really high in the three major nutrients that all plants want. And that's oh. nitrogen, potassium and phosphorus. Cool. And comfrey has all of those in big high quantities. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Definitely doing that when we get home. <laughs> just like dropping it everywhere. Yeah, I just Where? cut and okay, drop it cool. yeah. everywhere. 
Yeah. yeah. If I ever um, plant a, a new seedling in my garden, mm. and if I have cumpri in abundance, I'll just cut off some of the leaves, some of the yeah. older leaves, and just lay it around yeah, as a mulch cool. to protect yeah. the soil where I planted. Third plant, yeah, I'm going to go with one of the seedlings that I've been selling, mm. and that is Coccozelli zucchini. It's a variety of zucchini. Um, it sounds so fancy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's from, from Italy originally. I've just found down here we've had such a wet season with the La Nina, mm. and a lot of the um, zucchinis hate having wet feet. Oh. They really dislike um, yeah, having wet, wet soils, boggy soils, and they'll, they will rot really easily. A lot of the zucchinis we were growing, we were losing to just having wet feet. They would just yeah. rot and fall off. The black zucchini, which is you know the most common zucchini, is the zucchini everyone buys in the shops. and. Yeah. I found most people want to buy as a seedling because they're um, familiar with it. And we planted heaps of black zucchinis and a lot of them were rotting. And it's because, well, I've noticed, um, yeah. it's because the zucchini grows at the bottom of the plant, really close to the soil, really close to where it's wet. Whereas the Coccozelli zucchini, it grows really upright. Um, yeah. The flower comes like almost perpendicular to the ground, like straight up. It doesn't shoot off to the side. It comes really straight up. And so it really avoids getting wet feet and avoids rotting. Right. And so we had so many Coccozelli zucchinis this year. That's and so I just cool. found it grows really well in this, in this climate that we're in at the moment where it's really wet. That's so interesting. Same vegetable, but then just... Yeah, just a slightly different, different species. And yeah. that tiny little adaptation just really mm. helps. So you'd probably want like dry up, like just definitely not as wet if you were growing the black zucchini. Yeah, it's good yeah. to, when you're planting like zucchinis or pumpkins or to to mound it a little bit, like with some mulch. So then, yeah, the water really drains away from where they are. Yeah, I've found that like in some of our gardens too, like making the little mounds, like we kind of made them almost by accident at some point. Or I thought yeah. like, oh, like, oh, this will kind of look cool, like kind of be a bit of a shape yeah. for it. And then as soon as we put them in, everything like that was kind of dying like we kind of had like beetroot and we had some random things it just all of a sudden took off like they were just so happy like growing yeah. on these like small mounds oh yeah and it was just like a game changer mm. or, like yeah. small mounds like inside the garden and then yeah yeah they love it yeah cool oh, i'm so excited for you for just like this it's funny because it's like it's a business but i also feel like mm. it almost that word doesn't sound right no, Does it doesn't, it like doesn't a, sound right when no. I use it either. Like a, like a passion venture or something? Or like, yeah, it's, just, it's, just it's, it's almost um, the good seeds almost started just to fuel my own hobby of yeah. buying seeds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm so grateful that it's, it's kind of um, keeping me even. <laughs> yeah, how can <laughs> I justify? Buying cool, yeah, it's justifying me buying heaps of cool seeds that I've always yeah. wanted to buy. Yeah. <laughs> What's like the craziest seed that you want to buy? Well, you have bought... That is like not well known. Oh, Mexican gherkin, craziest one I've bought, which is probably on the scale of things isn't even that crazy. Yeah, it's just this. Um, Do you grow it? Yeah. Yeah, I, it? yeah. I, I'm waiting for more. Okay. I yeah. did grow some. They actually, honestly, didn't grow that well. Oh. Um, but they're just like I guess a cucumber, a little gherkin. Yeah. They're really spiky. Like mini, mini ones. <laughs> yeah, like really small ones. And then did you really um, small spiky vinegar them gherkins. and stuff? Like, did you? Yeah, that's yeah. the goal. Yeah. Yeah, pickle. that'd be cool. Yeah. Then it could be a good seed slash pickling. Yeah, that'd be cool one day to um, have more knowledge or have someone on board that would love to hold workshops. Ultimately, I'd like to um, start a, a seed co-op, a mm. seed saving co-op where we, we share local seeds. Like yeah. a seed library. Yeah, a seed library for yeah. sure. Is that your vision, like your overall biggest vision for where it's going? For where the, the good seeds is going? Yeah. There's a lot of avenues. Good seeds could go down. Mm. I try not to narrow it down. 
but yeah, one of the visions would be yeah, starting a seed a seed library, a seed co-op, like yeah. a full non-for-profit, just trying to share seeds and share diversity throughout mm. the Illawarra. Yeah, and ultimately sell more seeds as well as seedlings. Yeah, I think there's a big demand for it. Like I've noticed like a lot of, especially over the last year or two, where there has been like a big, I guess like a, a lot of people and myself including this, like starting to take interest in like permaculture and like, oh, hey, we need to grow food. Like mm. I have seen a lot of seed companies almost like struggling to keep up with the with amount demand. that, yeah, yeah, with the demand that people really are interested now and they're like, you know, they're not prepared because it's never been like that before. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of places like you'll go to buy seeds and they're just out of yeah, stock. Yeah, they just out sold out. Yeah, which is inc- yeah. like an incredible place to be. Like mm. as a whole, it's like yeah, everyone, it's really like we're good. all just <laughs> being downloaded with like getting on board with this. Yeah. And you're also going into van construction, yeah. van designing. Yeah. Yep, recently, recent venture. So woodworking and when I'd seen your van at the permaculture course, like just like beautiful wood. Just like, it looks like very like, as if you were having like a cabin. Yeah. But you're inside a van. Like yeah. it's, yeah, kind of like forest dreams. Like if you turn to a forest and you're inside the van, you just think you're in a little cabin. Yeah. Kind of vibe. Yeah, is that vibe, hey? Yeah. yeah. How's that been going for you? So you had your van that you'd created for yourself. Yep. And then has it just been like kind of flowing out from there or were you looking to create people's vans? Yeah, well, going all the way back, van life started for me in New Zealand. My two best friends, yeah. Kaya and my twin sister, Danny. Cool. They had a van and I just tagged along yeah. uh, and ended up staying and having their van for a bit longer over there. Did they buy a van over there? Did they yeah. rent it? Yeah, they bought a van. Okay, so you could like, you could do, add things to it when you were on that trip? No, we didn't. Hey, we just we just enjoyed it how it was. Yeah. But yeah, it was just eye-opening to van life and mm-hmm. how freeing van life is. And when I got back from that trip, the whole goal of me working back to start the landscaping job yeah. was to save and buy myself my own van. Oh. And yeah, that's when I bought my van. I just wanted to fit it out. That's all I wanted to do was mm. create a really cool fit out. It was kind of half the fun of having the van was just fitting it out, <laughs> not even using it. So I did that two years ago and lived out of that van for a while doing heaps of permaculture stuff. And, and that chapter's come to an end, moving down here to Wollongong. Mm. Uh, so no longer living out of the van. Yeah, I just found this, it was just through word of mouth. I didn't even put it out there. Just a friend of a friend told another friend that, oh yeah, Clay fits out vans, he can help you with your van. And that happened and I've, yeah, that was a paid job fitting out a van for someone, which was so cool because that's been on my goal map for two years. That's was so to cool. fit out vans. Yeah, so that was a dream come true. And then from then, it's just flowed naturally through word mm. of mouth. I haven't advertised, I haven't put out any feelers and someone else has come to me asking to fit out a van. And yeah, I've got other people asking and yeah, it's yeah. becoming like a thing. It's so cool <laughs> too. It's kind of like ceremony almost, but it's like like your chapter with van life. It's like yeah, ended and exactly. then it's almost the spirit wants to live on, but it's like, okay, yeah. I'm taking the next form now. Totally. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, that's why it feels so good because yeah, it was a bit hard for me to give up van life and that whole journey and chapter and everything that having a van brings to your life yeah but it's been so cool like it's like now i've had that chapter and now i'm just like helping people get on their journey with van life and just yeah yeah. i feel (laughs) like a difference to like having lived it'd be like you'd have to live van life and like you know walk the talk and like do it Mm. with like before you build them because if you haven't lived in a van you got it like you won't know where everything fits or like Mm. how much space you'll need like you've done it yeah. yeah yeah totally and what's, is, what's the difference too between van life? Like, is there any difference between van life in New Zealand and Australia? Yeah, huge. Because like here, I feel yeah. like it's like 
no parking, no sleeping, 11 yeah. a, like 11 p.m. to 4 a.m. And yeah. like, I just leave my car and I'd be like, where are you meant to go? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah the East Coast of Australia is really hard to free camp. But in New Zealand, yeah. they're, they're set up for free camping. Like you can, oh, cool. you pay for a pass. Um, yeah. That certifies your van as two days or three days, self-sufficient, they call it. Ooh. Which means you can like cook, collect your, all your own waste. And that certifies you to stay at free camp zones. And they're all, they're everywhere in New Zealand. And every place has its own like little rules and little time limits. And some places, more popular places, you're only allowed to stay maybe one, two, three nights. Mm. Other places, like six months maximum stay. Oh my god! But yeah, it just there's places for people to stay everywhere, free of charge, and it's really beautiful. And there's the amenities and bins set up, and they need to set up something like that over here. So yeah, especially with yeah. you just see more and more people wanting to get back into nature, like live out their van or have tiny homes, and there's like the infrastructure isn't here for that. No, like, it's definitely not here. Yeah, especially when it's, like, part yeah. of van life too. Like, if you don't have a shower, like, you want to be near a water source. Mm. So, like, you want to be near the beach and yeah. you want to be, or, like, you know, near those, like, probably more popular places. Yeah, totally. Um, so you can swim and yeah. feel safe. And I, yeah. Yeah. Tas- Tasmania has really good free camping as well. Just, just like right? New Zealand. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah, I always wonder what it would be like to do van life. Like, do you ever get scared as well? Because I always think if I was to do van life, like, I'd get freaked out. I don't know. Just, I mean, like, you, you know, sneak in, like, random spots. Yeah, you definitely, um, pros and cons there. Like, sometimes you definitely find yourself mm. sleeping on the side of the road because you just want to go to sleep <laughs> in the middle of nowhere. And you're like, wow, this is, yeah. <laughs> but the, that's what's so freeing about a van because if you feel uncomfortable, you can literally... Just get go. up and drive yeah and you have your whole life with you and you're not leaving anything behind mm. so it's very freeing out of like all these little paths kind of like weaving together do you have yeah. any like just like big overall visions for like where you want your life going yeah well like, I, yeah. I mean i i still see my life transitioning back to van life yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so i feel like all this work i'm doing fitting out vans is just experience for me to one day fit out the absolute ultimate van yeah <laughs> Which is really cool. Maybe a bus. Not yeah, a I was just about to say, would you ever do a bus? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a huge dream. Yeah, for sure. It's so cool. Yeah, that's the dream, living out of a bus. Yeah. On a bit of land, raising seedlings and fitting out and bringing van lifers into our life. And one thing I just also just generally wanted to ask you was, I saw on your Instagram, you did a small time on an earth ship building, an internship on an earth ship. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Bit of a word jumble. Ship, ship. Yeah, ship, ship. Before, possibly, maybe it's like before a lockdown or something. But yeah, do you want to describe what was your time and what is an earth ship? If people don't know what an earth ship is. Yeah, so um, before I moved here to Wollongong, I went yeah. and did a... It was it was cut short because mm. of um, lockdowns, but it was a it was a six-week internship at cool. an earth ship yeah. um, <laughs> just north of Melbourne in a place called King Lake. Cool. Um, and an earth ship, by definition, is a radically sustainable building. It's called a ship, an earth ship, so to say, is because it's predominantly made out of earth and mm. recycled materials. And then ship is just like a ship on the ocean. It has to process all its own resources. A ship has to desalinate water and mm. produce water. It has to manage its own waste. You can't grow your own food on a ship, but, <laughs> you know, you have to store, you have to have all your resources. You have yeah. to be completely self-efficient on a, on a boat at sea. And that's where the earth ship concept comes from. An earth ship it's just got all these sustainable passive design features. Um, they face north um, and they have big big glass windows or glass doors on the north face capturing all the sun and then the south side of the house is usually 
if not built out of earth above the ground, it's built into the ground. So they cut out into, say, a hillside. The earth just naturally holds um, ambient temperature really well. So you get all the sun, the earth holds it all day, and then at night it slowly leaks it out. Yeah. Just a big cushion. The house we were living in, it wasn't even finished yet. Like the, the doors weren't even finished. They weren't sealed. Some of the windows weren't sealed. And it was getting down to zero degrees oh when God. we were there. And at night time, that house was staying at 18 degrees with Whoa. no heating and no wow. cooling. Wow. Yeah. And with no sealed windows and doors. Yeah, and some of the doors were not wow. sealed. <laughs> Did they have heaps of fireplaces or no, a fireplace? No. Just that just there, there was a fireplace in the living room that we weren't using. Yeah. But, um... Yeah, it's just no heating or cooling. It's wow. really cool. And like on the internship, were you there to like learn about the house? Were you helping them finish it through like building, and that was part of it? Or yeah, so the reason I did it was because um, yeah, that's the journey I'm on at the moment is sustainable design, and mm. specifically sustainable building design for landscapes. Earthships are like a really cool example of that and how that can be done, especially in colder yeah. climates. So that's why I went there. And but Daryl, amazing, amazing man who built the earthship on his property. Cool. He actually he built that for himself and for the community because in King Lake they were really affected by bushfires and they lost a lot of people in the Black Black Saturday fires yeah. and um, earth ships are completely fire retardant. Wow. Can't, you can't burn earth, so um, that earthship is a sanctuary in the next bushfire, wow. which which will come at some point in time. So, so that, yeah, that was the reason for building that earthship. Yeah, and so I went there to get some hands-on experience did heaps of cobbing um cobbed heaps of walls that was my main job <laughs> built a cool table out of some beautiful aged cypress pine which is blessing very grateful to be able to work with that and yeah we had um we had really cold wet weather so we weren't able to do heaps mm. but that was okay do you have any like resources you'd recommend to or like books that you love yeah so videos uh, related to any of these topics uh first book would be the seed savers handbook mm anything to do with saving um, and propagating and sowing seeds. Yeah. Um, I forget who that is by off the top of my head. I'll find it and I'll add it in bio thing. And then the, the next book would be Rainwater Harvesting for Drylands and Beyond oh, cool. by Brad Lancaster. Yeah, that's an amazing book. It's just about the water cycle and yeah. how you can design houses, landscapes, gardens, Oh, pathways, wow. anything, all around water, whether you want to capture water, whether you want to move water on. Really, gardening and landscaping and building houses, is it's all about the energy flows and mm. water is a huge one. Rain and storm water and how do we want to use that and recycling water or letting water go. Yes, yeah, so that, that's, that's an amazing book. Yeah. Before we wrap up too, where can people find you in the online realm if you'd like to share your socials? Yeah, so we we are the Good Seeds, and that's pretty much it. Just search the Good Seeds. You'll yeah. find us on Facebook and on Instagram. Perfect. Both those platforms, the yeah. Good Seeds. <laughs> good Seeds is where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for being part of the podcast today. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of Making Magic Real. I hope you found some inspiring snippets in our chat and if you feel like passing on this chat to a friend, that would mean the world. Hope you're having a lovely day and I can't wait to see you again very soon. Sending you all the hugs and all the love. Bye!